I, I want to know because what I was interested in is the fact that you two guys go back such a long time and, and how you met up again. Kevin, can you tell me how this, this reunion came about? Um, I have a, a brother-in-law living in, in the villages here and he uh, called me and asked, uh, do I remember uh, Lee Monroe that played with uh, Shamrock Rovers? And I said, uh, it was his name Mousy? And I, he said, yeah, well, I went to school with him and I made my confirmation with him. And uh, that's basically how we... And where physically did you meet? Where, where did this take place? Oh, the actual meeting? Yeah. At uh, the Irish show. What was the name of the Irish show we were at? At Celtic. The Celtic, Celtic Club. Club. Here in the villages. And when you saw him for the first time after all this, uh, how, how much changed? I'm sure a lot did. Well, first of all, I, I went over looking for him and I expected him to be seated. But he was up and about walking about. So I kept looking for him. I said, he's not here. And then I turned around and he was standing right beside me. And I looked at him and I knew him right away. He's changed. Of course he's changed, but I mean, I knew him right away. What were the first words? Well, the first words I said, do you remember me? And he looked at me and said, no way. No way do I remember you. So I kept giving him, you know, lines to, well, I played with you. Well, I played with a lot of guys, he said. And then I'd, I mentioned St. Vincent's and he, you know, and then I mentioned Clannagale and um, Dublin Miners and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I basically had to tell him who I was who because he was. did not recognize me. That is correct. Yeah. Because I had no clue who it was yeah. that I was speaking to. But when he told me his name, I knew who exactly who he was. He was a big, strong fullback that would knock stuffing out <laughs> of anybody that came near you. If you were getting battered on the field, you could count on Kevin. Yeah. Mm. How far back do you know one another? Well, from, from the, time the primary would be, schools. Would yeah. be yeah. eight, probably eight, until 14. Mm. And that would go from eight would be 41 until uh, 47, 48. And in 1950 would be probably the last time I saw Kevin. Because then I went on to play soccer and Kevin kept playing Gaelic with Clonagale and I went and I played with Rovers. And so are we talking about 60 years? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. And 60 years, uh, it doesn't seem an awful long time to people, but heavens, it's a long, long time. So we are lucky to be able to even meet up again, never mind uh, be able to chat like this. So that's uh, basically the way we started. Uh, when he told me his name, then I knew exactly, I knew exactly where he lived. And he, uh, his younger brother, his younger brother played ball with uh, Home Farm and he played Gaelic with Clannagale and never played soccer with any of the uh, the schoolboy teams and Desmond, my younger brother, and Brendan used to play against each other. Je Desmond would play with Jonville and Brendan would play with Home Farm and they've had some good times too. Mm. 
So, so the parting came that, Kevin, you continued your, your GAA career, if you like. All through up to um, 58. 58, I kept playing till 58. I got married in 57. And then I moved from Glasnevin. Liam actually moved into Glasnevin. He got married in... 56. 56. And we moved into Botanic Avenue, and he moved out. I moved to Terneur. We bought a house in Terneur, so... Mm. No, that was the posh side. Mm. What was this? What was it like in like the the early days of the of the football? Uh, you know, uh, the school with school. Obviously, school football first. You started off with that. That was at Saint Vincent's. Yeah, and uh, we had we had in the primary school. That was all right because we we were only kicking about basically until we we got to twelve. Yeah, and then we played both played under fourteen. Because it was under fourteens that the schools the, uh, started the their football program and hurling program, uh, you know, in the schools, and uh, but I was already playing soccer with uh, Johnville, and uh, we had one or two clashes with uh, the hierarchy in Saint Vincent's. So I had, and eventually I left Saint Vincent's and went back to St. Peter's in Fisborough. Mm. And uh, from there, I got picked on a Dublin team, which Kevin was picked also, but he was still at Vincent's. Mm. And I was at St. Peter's. And we went to Cardigan Park in Belfast. Belfast. And we beat Belfast schools up there. And then we had a return game in Croker, in Croke Park, and uh, which I uh, eventually scored a goal at the railway end in Croke Park, mm-hmm. right? And when Ted Coolen and we were finished, we went to Barry's Hotel mm-hmm. in Denmark Street, in Great Denmark Street, I think it is, yeah. And uh, we went there and Ted Coolen said, well, he says, you were lucky today because I was going to just take you off. <sighs> And you then remember you that, that I do, oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Ted Coolen was a, was a was a national teacher and a, and a brilliant man, but a great, very interested in keeping football going, especially the GAA. Yeah. But to get to, back to St Vincent's, St Vincent's, the primary school, had we had about eight or nine teams in the school. They're all called different names. Like we had a, a team called Geraldines. Uh, do you remember some of the other yeah, names? Yeah, Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott. Gerald Dines. Uh, then in the hurling we had Owen Rowe. And yeah. uh, we had... Uh, Fontenoy. Uh, and uh, Young Ireland. Young Ireland. And, uh, this is all in the primary school now. So we played against each other in, in the school. In, in the school. Um, and we had some uh, good, good sports people there. And we had some bad sports people there. We had some bad ones in the sense that uh, you probably, you couldn't play soccer. And that was it. How difficult was it to play soccer and play Gaelic? I mean, and you got to jump through hoops to do it. I mean, what was was the difficulties? Yeah, you played one in the morning and you played one in the afternoon. Right. That's all it was. Yeah. You played Saturday in the afternoon, right? And then on Sunday morning you played soccer. And on Sunday afternoon, you probably played Gaelic with Tonic Hale. Yeah. 
Was it widely, would it have been widely known that you were a soccer player? Oh, yeah. Well? Oh, yes. Yeah. So you didn't have to hide oh, it. Oh, no, we no, had, no. we had, we had various ones that played a, 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 dub, a double role. I mean, uh, there's, Ronnie, Ronnie is the most, uh, Ronnie Nolan is the most uh, capped uh, League of Ireland player. Right? He played, Tommy Dunn played. And uh, Jerry Mackey played, and uh, myself, we all played with Clonagale, with Kevin. But I went the other way. I, I played rugby. I liked to play rugby, so... Uh, and that was as bad. That was the round on just the same. Yeah, but we played it on the quiet. We never played uh, organised rugby. We would pick rugby teams and go to Clontarf and Sutton. We played out in Sutton a lot. We used to call ourselves Suttonians. But they were all Gaelic players. All, and good ones. Yes. Some of them went on to win all our medals in, for Dublin in later years. Right. Ah. What was the attraction for a Gaelic player in rugby? Is it the contact? Is contact. It for me it was contact. It's, it's, a, it's an open game. You get the ball. And I played forward and I played back and full back. But to get that ball and run and pass was a great feeling. A really wonderful feeling, and it's a great game. Even though it's a, it's an English game, it's a good game. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, it, it being, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a English game because rugby, rugby, all right, possibly came to Ireland through the uh, England English, yeah. right? But uh, only this morning I'm reading an article on there on the computer about an English fella, an English player, said he gave up football, gave up rugby because of a 23-year-old Irish man. He said, when he started to hit me, he says, I was 34 and he was 23, he said it was time for me to give up. Yeah. That's exactly what he mm -hmm. said this morning. Well, you, you, could, yeah. you could get hit and yeah. hard. Oh, yes. Uh. I mean, there's no shoulder pads in either, either game, you know? Mm. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Tell us about that, with that trip up to Belfast to play that match. What was it like? We and went... We, can you remember that journey up yeah. there and all the rest of it? We went by yeah. train. Right. And we got a school bus from the station out to Cardigan Park. Isn't That's that correct? Right. That's correct. And then we went to the school. Is that right? That's right. We went to the school afterwards and they gave us something to eat. Yeah. And then they put us back on the train and that was, that was but just the day. The trip, Corrigan Park and, 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 and surroundings made a big impression on me because uh, of the police, the RIC, not the RIC, or UC. Yeah. They were all dressed in black, all armed, yeah. and walking around the field at the time. I always remember that they were, they were all dressed in black, and they looked, they looked sinister. sinister. They really did. But other than that, we had a wonderful time up there. Oh, yeah, we, we had a great time. Oh, fabulous yeah. time. Can you remember any of the team, team members? Can you remember your colleagues? Oh, my names? gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was, there was, I, as I said, there were uh, them four. There was uh, that lad, Canavan. Canavan. Canavan was, le was left full back. Yeah. <coughs> and uh, Desi Redmond was on it. And uh, Liam Conway was on it. And Ronnie Nolan, Jerry Mackey, Jerry Mackey. Tommy Dunn, uh, yourself and myself. Well, that's seven 
Fogarty, Dennis Fogarty. He was possibly. Was, I know. I, I don't yeah. remember. Um, I don't remember him. But um, the, most of these players uh, yeah. lived in or came from Ringsend, the Ringsend area. Yeah. yeah. Right. How, how come Ringsend produced such a, a crop of players? I, I, <coughs> there wasn't an awful lot more to do. Ringsend was a kind of a depressed area. At least it was in those days. Absolutely. And. and uh, so football was the big thing. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they all started playing Gaelic because of the schools. Yeah. But most of them leaned towards soccer eventually. Yeah, yeah. You were different in, in one sense, Kevin, and that your parents, your father was a Mayo man. Yeah. Your mother came from Leitrim, I think. Is that My father came from Leitrim. My oh. mother was from Mayo. Oh, sorry, the other way around. Uh, she's from uh, uh, Melix Swinford. My father's from Drummer Hare. Um, and did that, I mentioned that because that was the influence for you, the, the Gaelic connection. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, was, I was a GAA man all from day one. I played a lot of soccer, but I was always GAA. And it was because uh, my father was involved with the GAA too. And my mother played no part in it, but, she, you know, she came from Mayo, which was... Uh, a football county, and a really good one in those days, you know. Mm. You told me one time you made an epic journey one time, didn't you, up to Castlebar? I cycled with my father. Uh, he, uh, Leitrim and uh, Mayo were playing the Connacht football final, and my father had vacation or holiday time coming up. He had a week off, and he decided let's cycle from Dublin to Castlebar, which we did. We stayed on the way. We went through Moat. I don't know whether you're familiar with Moat. We stayed there with friends. It took us uh, about a day to get down there, cycling pretty hard, you know, because, you know, we, we had to move. But um, so we stayed uh, in Castle Bar overnight with, at the Garda station, the, the Garda barracks in Castle Bar. And then the following day, we set up back for Dublin. Leitrim got ba- badly beaten, by the way. May have killed them. <laughs> what age would you have been? I was uh, 15, 16. Was but I could cycle. Oh, yeah. I was a good cyclist. Was your father good company on the journey? My father wasn't a great... Uh, my father, as I said, was a policeman, uh, a very strict man. Um, I'd say he was good company, but, I mean, he wasn't an easy man to, to grow up with because he had no patience whatsoever. It came from the old school, yes. uh, and of course there would have been a div- bigger divide then between the adult and the, the, the you know the adolescent, which probably is is not as big today. That's correct. There's yeah. more informality between oh, yes. the father and Absolutely. son today than yeah. there was then. Yeah, but that was a mighty journey, nonetheless. Well, that was years, that was yeah. common in those days, you know, because yeah. there was no there was no gas uh, available, you know. What year was that roughly? That was forty um, one or something. Forty forty. Uh, Forty-six, I think it was. Oh, was it? 46. Just after the war. Yeah, mm. yeah. But petrol was hard to get at yeah. that time. Um, and you would meet literally hundreds of cyclists. And the, you, always, you, you always knew where they were going. They were going to the game, you know. Um, I heard. That was, the, that was the easiest way to get round Dublin, even, uh, to any of the football matches. Yeah. And you'd get somebody minding a bike outside the, wherever the event yeah. would be. And... They'd be looking for sixpence or something to mind the bike, yeah. so they would. And how you could find your bike, uh, which you did. Yeah, which you did. You did. You found your own bike 
out of all the bikes that were there, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Particularly uh, at Dalymount, down at Connor Street, and uh, a fellow used to stand uh, behind McGuinness's in the laneway there, and I'd mind a bike for you, and there'd be hundreds of bikes, and you'd, but you'd find your own. And that was, that was just the way it was. Well... I always got a kick out of that because, um, you know, they, you would give them your bike and you would give them their money. But when you come out after the game, no sign of them. They no. were gone. Yeah. Your bike could be gone too. Yeah. But you had to find your own bike. They yeah, didn't help the, you. They were gone. They had, you had to find your own yeah. bike. Correct. Yeah. Well, let's do with cars. Most people, if you pay in advance, they don't stay for the full duration. They, they they go before they Absolutely. you know yeah, yeah. yeah. just go yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah. 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 It, it just, yeah it's just the way it was yeah it's such a uh, it's actually comical in a way because we think in terms I'll mind your car for you mister but to mind your bike was yeah. it you know to what I mean your bike. Yeah. It, it, it the is tradition different. goes back be, be before the car to and the bike right. that's true yeah. and I mean it was the same thing in Croke Park Croke Park you'd go down the canal all the way from Cross Guns Bridge right down to Jones Road and you go down the canal, and all down the canal, you'd be no bikes, no bikes on the canal path at all. But we all going down the Whitworth Road, and you get down, and you go down May Street, around May Street, and down into into uh, Jones's Road, and there'd be bikes everywhere. Thousands. That's the way it was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. And the same at on at Clonliffe Road, off Clonliffe Road, where you went in at the uh, railway end, it was the same thing. There was bikes everywhere. Were people still selling hats outside Pro Park? Oh, yes. oh yeah. That was a big business. Yeah. Mm. And of course, uh, if it would but rain, it, it, you know, you'd buy these hats, and if it would rain, the colours would the dye. The dye would start flowing down your face. The kind of crepe paper, weren't they? Crepe that's paper. all it was. They were terrible that's hats, was, yeah. but you know. But uh, that's the way it was. Uh, I mean, we we lived through uh, not a difficult. Well, it was difficult in a way, but uh, when we go back and think about it, we had a good time. Well, speaking for myself, I had a marvelous time. Yeah. Uh, it was say? it was a wonderful yeah. time to grow up in Ireland. It really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though during the war there was rationing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were very fortunate in many ways because my father was a policeman. So being a policeman, food was available. We, we were never, we never, we're I mean, short. we had ration cards. We were but never short. We were never short. We had and, lots of sugar, butter, a, bread, you name it. Yeah. Uh, we had it. Mm. Now, how we got it is another story. Yeah, I had, I had a friend lived on Norfolk Road, uh, Brian Madden. And Brian Madden's dad. I knew Brian Madden. Brian, yeah. uh, Brian and Noel. <coughs> and, uh, Noel became a father, Noel. Yeah. Father Noel Madden. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, his father was a guard. That's right. And uh, they lived in, what, 26 Norfolk Road. And behind it, the uh, I won't, it must have been county council or the council or somebody built a huge, big garage. Huge, I'm talking about big garage on the back garden, covered a whole back garden, and that was a turf depot. Now you go and you get a bag of turf there during the war, and Mr. Madden 
he he also ran a, a limousine business as well, mm-hmm. and he done that when we got married. We had Mr. Madden. He brought the limo around, and that was it. You remember that, Kevin? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I cut turf. Oh, all right. I did. I cut a lot of turf. Uh, we had a, a bank, which we called banks, up on up at um, the featherbed. And we would go up, when turf time would come, um, we would go up and cut the turf. And uh, we, were, we, had, we were very fortunate. My father knew a Dr. Mackin, who had a lovely cottage at, at uh, Glen Cree. And uh, we used to get to stay at the cottage. And it was a gorgeous cottage. It had no electricity, of course. It had no uh, running water. You had to wash yourself out. There was a lovely stream that flowed by. But we'd cycle up to the top of the mountain every day and cut the turf. Mm. Uh, marvelous experience. Yeah. Uh, just a wonderful experience. And you'd make tea out of them. Absolutely. Right? The best tea. We would make tea in the same pot that we would cook a meal. A billy can. A billy can. Uh, it was there, I, I love birds, I'm a bit of a bird watcher, and it was there that I first started to watch birds, because the birds up on the top of the mountain there were just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. While I was up there, I basically was always uh, walking around the top of the mountain, and you, you would come to these big pits where there were all but finished c- cutting turf there. But I found, while I was there, I was always looking for stuff, I found two rifles, buried in the turf. How long they were there, who knows? So I called my father and he says, well, you know, they're IRA, two IRA rifles that have been, God knows how long they've been up there, but he took them out, I mean, took them home. My goodness. Yeah. Of course, it was a great place to secrete things, the bogs, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Even in ancient times. Yeah. Yeah, and in modern times too. Yes, yes. <laughs> but the, there could the, be a few more. The general, still. the general. He, he, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You were smiling there when he was talking there about could, the, the. There could be a few more left left up there. No, yeah. mind, nothing else. Uh, you but, didn't have any turf cutting experience yourself. Oh no, God, no. No. Well, my father was born in uh, uh, Little Denmark Street, in which is now uh, has Roche's stores on it, and. Uh, he, he, they lived there, uh, his sister, himself, and his brother. Because all my grandparents were all dead. I mm-hmm. never knew any of them. And, uh, but he was the one that started me playing. Because he played, and he played... Uh, he, he, he was born in... He was born in uh, 89... And uh, he played with a team called Frankfurt. And mm-hmm. Frankfurt had a team of players. And the uh, day there was a bookmaker, a man called Hardy Leddy. He lived on Connor Street. And uh, there was Oscar Trainer, who became the Minister of Defence. And uh, there was General Grant, who was another one. Uh, and they call him, I believe they call him General because he was the one that used to shout the loudest. So that was how he got his word across. And what uh, I have a paper in Toronto, so I have. And it's 1910. And that team is 
listed in the paper. So uh, we, go, we go back in soccer a long time. But when I was growing up, we went to Dalymount on a Saturday afternoon. Bows A, B or C played. We went to Croke Park at 11 o'clock or half 11 on a Sunday morning because it was always a hurling match or a uh, Gaelic match on. There was always a football match or a hurling match on. And my father uh, worked with a man uh, uh, called Owens and he ran uh, Own Row, so he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, he started us. That was what we done. Then Saturday, Sunday afternoon, you went back to Dalymount. And that was, that was your weekend completely covered. And then during the summer, when it would be only the Gaelic matches would be on, you went out maybe, we've often got a tram out to Marion Gates and walked all the way back to Visbra. And we were only six and seven at the time, Desmond and myself, and we'd go all along the Sandy Mount Seafront and through Ring's End and across the locks, across the Grand Canal and over the locks and all the way up uh, the South Quay and then get into O'Connell Street, will we get the bus or the tram it was then, will we get it? No, we'll walk. And that was our... That was our weekend for a long time. Right. I would imagine that the games were well attended then because, like, there was no television. So, I mean, there must have been, the attendance must have been very good in those days at both soccer and Gaelic matches. Well, the long stand on a a Sunday morning would be mostly full. And the long stand is no longer, of course, but... The Hogan stand and the long stand were both full mm-hmm. on on a Sunday morning, without any you know you had no problem. Club and, games were very big. Yeah, yeah I mean, they were. They were I huge. Mean, you'd got you'd got all the good ones, all the good, all the good uh, county players. That's the best way of saying it. Played in all the teams, didn't they? Well, yes. They had um, a, a, a number in each team, so they uh, did. Yeah, Kerrymen. Come on to Dublin, played for Geraldines. Yeah. That was the Ger- that was the Kerry team. Black and white, black well, and white. And that, that just that's like the Australians now. That's right. With the stripe across yeah. uh, uh, diagonally on their body, isn't that correct? That's right. And black, black, and a white band right uh, diagonally across. All of these people yeah. come up from the country, yeah. and they got to play for these club teams like Young Ireland's Fogs and UCD, yeah. but they're all given jobs. Yeah. This was the thing. You play for the team, you've got a job. And um, they either went to work for Bolands, the, the bread people. Um, some went to Guinnesses. Some went to... Um, well, they all had jobs, let's put it that way. And good jobs in those days. Almost like the American equivalent of education. And you, 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 you were both like in like... Exactly. Like the university. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Except instead of being educated, you were given a job to yeah. sustain yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, so that's how big it was. That's an, that's an indication, isn't it, of how strong this whole thing was and how important it was, how big it was. Well, the GAA was big. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a good time for the GAA because it was, a little, it was more innocent. Now the GAA has 
totally changed. It's professional, very professional. But um, it, it was a great time to be part of the GEA. It really was. Um, for me, it was great because I got, to, I got to sell programs when I was about seven or eight years of age. Um, they would give you, uh, I think you would start you off with uh, 200 programs. You would charge, I think it was three pence, three pennies for a program, maybe even less. You got to keep a farthing. However, if you sell three or four hundred programs, a lot of money in those days. We're talking now about, you know, the late 30s and, and early 40s. Uh, for me, I got into the games free. I got to know all the top players. I met them all, every one of them. Mick Mackey, Christy Ring in his heyday. Um, I could just name off a, many of them. The Delaney's of Strad Valley County Leagues, all five of them played for, 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 for Leagues on the same day. I played, believe it or not, against Jack Lynch, who turned out to be a, a prime minister in later years. How I did that was, he was playing for civil service at the time, and I was like, this was kind of Gale senior team were playing civil service, and I was on the sideline, I was the sideline man. Clanny Gale ended up with two players short. Joe Stafford of Cavan was the captain of the team at the time, and he called me and says, you're, gonna, you're gonna play, you're gonna play. So I had to leave the sideline, went in for the last 10 minutes. Jack Lynch was playing, I played against Jack Lynch. Jack Lynch was on his way out by this time now. This was 47 or 48, you know. Mm. Fantastic. Right it was. It was. Yes. It, 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 when you go back over the years and you think about like that, like you just said, who yeah. you played against yeah. and everything else. And I signed for Rovers in 1951. And I went on holidays and it, to Blackpool. I was only going to Blackpool. And I was going on holidays. And another guard, another guard, Sean Moynan, he lived in Orchard Terrace off the North Circular Road. And Sean and myself were going to Blackpool for two weeks. And Joe Cunningham got on to the manager at Blackpool and said, ask him, could I go and train? And I went to training every day and I was trained with Mortison. Matthews, Taylor, Farm, uh, the the whole uh, all all the Blackpool players, and it was it was fantastic, and it cost me two and sixpence for the taxi from the, where we were staying to Bloomfield Road, and two and sixpence back. So I was refunded that I got that back. Well, that had been the beginning of your interest in the in the when you, you got a taste of the big yeah, club. Yeah, I did. Was that yes. the beginning of your ambitions, if you, well, if you like? Well, I never had any ambitions. Uh, I, I was lucky enough. I was lucky enough to be a, a, in at a time that uh, I was with a team that was a, a good team, and I was lucky enough. And then I got a knock on the left knee, and. Uh, Things didn't go too well. And then I went up to Northern Ireland, to Ards, and played with Ards. And I only got, last, two weeks ago, I got a, an email from a fella in Newton Ards. 
and he told me that another of my records had been broken. Hmm. And he says, it's taken from 1955 until now for it to be broken. And that was, I scored three goals on the first game that I played with Ards. And we didn't do too badly. Yeah, that certainly has. You two have shared an awful lot going back a number of years. And that's one thing that you have in common, that you've, you've shared so much. You know, and how does you know? And now you've met somebody who can relate to you, oh, and you too, Kevin. That we you can, can go back. To those we can go, go back and talk about people that nobody, nobody, uh, nobody knows. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> exactly. They, right. they don't know nobody. <laughs> uh, we know so far back, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are others at home in Ireland, right? Mm-hmm. Will know exactly the same thing that we have just said, but. Uh, to meet somebody after all these years, you know, uh, uh, it's a little bit mind-boggling mm. because you, you're we're out here in a, a completely, what are they? Different environment. Yeah. Two hundred and fifty million. Yeah. Three hundred right? million. And and you bump into somebody that you haven't seen for so long, and you can talk about the same things that they can talk about. Mm. So, particularly in this. Environment, the yeah. subtropical yeah. environment, which is so far removed from your history. There you that's go. Tr- that's you true. know, and that yeah. makes it yeah. special in a way, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah. But you were talking about Dr. Mackin. Dr. Mackin. And there was Dr. Moyen was on one side of the, <coughs> excuse me, the laneway into Daly Mount from uh, the Cabot Road, right? There was, Dr. Mackin was on this side of the lane and Dr. Uh, Moynihan was on the other side of the lane and Dr Moynihan was the CIE well it was the GSR then it was CIE he was the, he was their doctor and that's where we all went to and the, most of the Garda people went to Dr Moynihan uh, to Mackin that's true that is so true For, they, now yeah. there's just that was just two names that came up yeah you know and you, you can remember them as well as anything, you know? What was the social life? Just taking in the period between the ages of 8 and 14, you were too young to be going to dances and so on, so it was strictly sport that you were that's involved all. with. All. That's all there was. There had to be development of some kind we, or another, had there? Uh, I went, I went to, to, to in Vincent's, right? They had their, our sports day. And our sports day was track and field. Yeah, high jump too. Everything, yeah, like that. And I, there was a one particular thing on a table there, and that was a ball. I'd never seen a ball. It was neither Gaelic ball or it was just a ball, a leather ball, and I was, oh God, if I could get that, it would be great, and. I got into the final of the 100... 100 yards. 100 yards. And I was so far in front that I... And I looked round and Tony Roach, a fellow called Tony Roach, come up on the other side of me. I got a butter dish. He got the ball. I got a butter dish. And that still is still 
alive today, that Buddha <laughs> dish. It's still, it's in Toronto. So, yeah. it so we're talking about St. Vincent's. And you both knew one another from the age of eight, which would have been roughly... What's, what's the ages here now? We have the prior, your, I, your own age now at the moment. I'm 76. Right, and Cal? 77. There you go. You were the, so you would have been in a class above. No, actually, I, I, I think we were most of the time in... No, we're in the same class. In the same class. We're in the same class, but yeah. that was... Uh, uh, <coughs> it depended on when you were born. Yeah. Right, yes, you and could fall into it. You, you fell into a different category. Well, okay, let's figure it out now. At the age of eight, what year are we talking about, both of you then? So that would have been... Well, I'm 41. Right. I'd be 41. Right. 1941. Yeah. Right. So now, what was... 1941, right. we had uh, Mr... In the primary in Vincent's, we had Mr McKittrick. We had Mr Moylan. We had... Uh, Mr O'Shea. Mr O'Shea. And we had uh, another one, and, and uh, they call him Slim. Mr. Murray. Mr. Murray. Tall. Tall, a huge tall man. Wonderful dresser. Uh, always immaculate. 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 Yeah. And then we had uh, Brother Royal. Brother Royal. Brother, Brother Kylie. McGrath. Brother McGrath. Uh, Brother Barber. Brother Egan. No, Brother Egan. Brother Egan. 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 Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, Brother Cal. Well, Brother Cal came uh, at, a, at a later stage. Mm-hmm. He didn't come when we when we started. He came at a later stage. Oh, that was another big man. Big, another huge great big footballer. man. Yeah. And uh, then, that, so we had them all through the years until such time as we went to the secondary. Right, but you, you started there at the age of eight. Is that yeah. what you're saying? So where would you have been before that? I was at St. Peter's. Right, I was at St. Columbus, Iona Road. Road. Iona Road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So can you remember just a matter of interest? I know it's going back a bit. Liam, for instance, what's your very first memory of Kevin? Can you remember, you know, when you first... We meeting on on a football game, and if he'd done something wrong, what the bloody hell did you do that for? And he'd say the same uh, about me, I'm sure. (laughs) And... Why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that? And it just went on from there. But football, any kind of football, any kind of football brings people together. Anything, any sporting event brings people together and people that would never meet otherwise. And it depends. Friendships go on from there. All over years, all over the years, all over the years for, uh, well, the likes of at this particular moment, you, you, you can say that he was a good friend of mine when we were playing ball. And now we've met up again and our friendship now has continued. Mm. So that's the only way I can put it. Right. The, the school, in the classroom, was it, were they hard teachers? Were they, can, you know, what's your memory of them? Uh, I have to be very careful here. Well, I, I believe uh, some were, especially the, the Christian brothers, uh, they, were, they were very harsh. Um, they had very little patience. Um, and the punishment at times was phenomenal. Severe. Severe. Real. Um, 
I, I always found that they were vindictive uh, and as I say had no patience whatsoever uh, especially uh, Brother Oil uh, who was uh, probably the, the top Christian brother at the school and well, he, he was at the primary yeah yeah uh, and he would he would have a class of the really good scholars the scholarship kids the intelligent the intelligent ones. people and uh, very austere very very austere uh, if you saw brother royal walking towards you you'd walk away you'd walk around um, you'd be afraid that he'd be heading for you that was the whole thing. Yeah. He was not approachable. Absolutely not. He. Well, none of them really were well, approachable. Some of them were. I, I got on very well with uh, Brother Cal. Oh, but he was a different story. Yeah. Because he was really interested in the sporting in the end of it as well. Whereas Brother Royal, you never saw him out uh, on, no, the, on, on the pitch at all. Yeah. Brother you know, McGrath was another one I thought was a, a fine a brother. Well, yeah, uh, and, but we had a, we, there was another one there, Bulger, uh, Brother Bulger. Now, Brother Bulger was a hurdler. He was an out-and-out out hurdler. That was his... And now, he was good, but if you didn't play hurling, it wasn't so good. It wasn't so good. But, uh, but we, had, we had a good... We, we had a hard time. But we had a good time. Exactly. And we made our own, our own, our own amusement and, uh, and entertainment. And, I mean, I can go back now to when we moved houses and we moved to a different area in Dublin and we didn't have a ball, a tennis ball or a, any kind of a ball and we made ball we made balls out of brown paper, newspapers or anything to kick around the place old nylon stockings isn't that right? we would stuff them with cloth and paper and have her mother stitch them together they made the best footballs and they didn't break windows when they hit a window they didn't break the window yeah. Well, we didn't have that problem, thank God. <laughs> but I mean, that that was the way it was. In them, the, in that era, we made our own amusement. Now, I don't know, but you might not know, but on Connaught Street in Fisborough, there was Eccles Street School, which mm-hmm. was a, a girls' school, convent, convent school, and they had a field at the bridge, the Connor Street Bridge, which is now Liam Whelan Bridge. And they, Sunday, there was nobody ever there. And on Sunday morning, there would be a match between the tramway cottages, which were right beside it, all them, and the people from we say over the bridge in Cabra, uh, Leo Fulham, Bunny Fulham, Danny Conroy, Donny Conroy, Joe Darcy, Liam McDonald, and they would all, and they were all fellas that 
most of them eventually made it good in the football. And we would play there in Bermos Field. That's what we used to call it, Bermos Field. And you would have to get in there and get, have a game and get out real quick. And all we played then was camogie posts. They were all camogie, uh, laid out for camogie. And that was the, the goal. So, uh, so, you know, we made our own entertainment, so we did. And I'm sure Kevin done the same thing. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt in it. Yeah. I, I remarked earlier on Kevin that your accent, I detected the country thing, and it shows you that your mother, you know, and your father, Lilitrum and, and Mayo, that was very strong, and, and you actually picked up a little bit of that. Well, I did, because um, most, of the, most of the guards uh, were living in Glasnevin, where I lived, uh, right beside each other. We had, in, in our street alone, we had eight policemen living in the same street, and they're all from the west of Ireland. And you wouldn't want to break a street light on your road. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. That's true. You, and you didn't. You didn't. Um, yes, the fact is that um, we always, our house was always filled with uh, West of Ireland people. Always. I mean, coming up from the West of Ireland, from Clamoris, uh, Swinford, and Castlebar, and all these things. They were always, when they, when they came to town to shop to Cleary's and Guyanese, they would be out to Glasnevin to stay overnight. Uh, so I grew up in that kind of environment. And then I played with Gaelic football. Gaelic football was played mostly by men from the country. Um, but it's just funny that, because normally if you had, what would normally happen is that people would come up to the country, live in Dublin, and the children then would assimilate in, and they would want to, you know, they would acquire the, the accent and, the, and so on. But because of the reasons you gave, that didn't happen, because there was almost a strong rural type community oh, on your street. Very much so, you know, very much so. With your callers. Yeah. 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 And of course, the one thing about having parents from the country is you got to go on your holidays. And you got Every to go year, to six and seven weeks at a time, you'd be yeah. down in, in the country. I spent, I went to school, actually, in Claremorris County, Mayo, during the war, mm. uh, when, the, yeah. when the Germans started uh, bombing uh, North Strand, which is close to Glasnevin, yeah. yeah. 1941. My mother decided to ship me off to her sister, one of the sisters in Clermorris. So I went to school for a period in, in, in Clermorris. Mm. Well, a great time, the, a wonderful the, time, by the way. You're talking about that, the bombing. Yeah. <coughs> there was one bomb was on North Strand, and a lot of people killed in that. And the people that were left uh, homeless, they were all accommodated in Cambro West. That's right. And we visited my father, my brother, and myself. We visited a dog pond where one bomb fell. We visited North Strand <coughs> where <coughs> one bomb fell. Sorry, yes, yeah. And we visited Rialto where the other one fell, mm -hmm. all on the same morning. And you either walked or you got a cycle. Well, Daddy never cycled. Yeah, yeah, my father never yeah, cycled. Yeah. My father walked everywhere. Would you have heard the actual bombs? Did you? Yes. Yeah, you. you yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. We saw the. I saw, saw the, the, the planes go over at, yeah. at, at that night. Mm. Really? Well, because the search, the searchlights would come on, and even though we're neutral, I mean they're they're making their way up the the, the east coast. coast of Ireland, heading for Northern Ireland, and mm. cross over. Um, 
but our searchlights would go on so you'd actually see them. Mm -hmm. And the sound was amazing. It was woo, 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 woo. So my mother would immediately, immediately have us all down on our knees saying the rosary. I mean, Funny, my mother had it? faith. Yeah. Well, I can remember when we were in Shannon, in Shannon Drive, we were sitting at the table one night and we had a Spitfire chasing a Messersmith right over the pin mill. Well, that was Shandon Mills. And uh, it went right over the top of the, of the building. And it, it was something to see. And the wings on these tombs were going, yeah. oh, it was, it was something else. Mm. Likewise, but, it was a Sunday morning and I'm coming out of uh, or the wooden church in Glasnevin, Our Lady of Dollars, Seven Dollars. There again, there was a German plane in flames, smoke billowing out the back, and a British plane chasing it. This, the plane eventually came down in Clontarf. It actually went into the water there in Clontarf. Mm. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. But my father, my father... <laughs> was stationed at Rap Mines, the Garda station at that time. And of course, when the bomb went off at North Strand, they had to get onto their bikes and head out to North Strand. Uh, so he saw a lot of that. But I saw the, that same day. That's the following morning. The following morning, we all got on our bikes, took off, and, and down. Vi and visited all, all the saw places. It all. That's saw the way it, it was. That's yeah. the way it was. <coughs> yep. To see the devastation. Yeah. 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 North Strand was the worst uh, yeah. The worst hit. Well, quite a few deaths. In there was only oh, quite a few. Well, okay. actually, yeah. the, the the total number of people killed was twenty nine. Right. Now it sounded that there would be a lot more. Mm, twenty nine deaths yeah, was was was, like, was, yeah. was, was the total. Uh, North Sandringham was a tenement area that yeah. it hit, well, so it, they were highly it, populated. It, it was right. it was a flat. The 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 flats were there mm. in North Strand, and that's yeah. and that were the first. Flats that I ever remember, really. As a matter of interest, there's been lots of controversy about the reasons why they bombed. That some said that they were just discharging the weight, cargo, and maybe didn't know. But have you any thoughts on? I that? do actually. I do. First of all, Ireland was supposed to be neutral. Bottom line is that we weren't neutral. No. When Belfast was bombed, no. De Valera sent all the no. engines right up there. He. They reported on manoeuvrings out in the ocean, called, you know, they reported to Britain. We did a lot of stuff that a neutral country doesn't do. When any German pilot would, would land in Ireland, he was taken into custody, sent up to Northern Ireland. Now, that's the theory that Hitler decided to show us that, you know, you're supposed to be a neutral country. That's one of them. That's one of them. My other theory is that... Uh, German pilots just decided, to, you know, they didn't want to risk being shot down and would drop their bombs, you Get know. Them. Except for the one that went around North Strand, because that the bomber, the bomb, or the, the plane that bombed North Strand, he circled. He was visibly seen circling over North Strand, so he had something else on his mind. He had time. It was quite. Uh, uh, a deliberate decision to discharge at that point. Well, that's, I mean, he but was seen circling, so, right. you know. Obviously trying to find a target or didn't know where he was. There was lots of, there could be lots of 
reasons. All kinds of th theories about yes, that. Yeah, my, yeah. My, 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 my one thing is, I think, is because we decided to send up all these fire trucks and That's put out right. the fires, which was a wonderful thing, actually, well, I, I you know, when, so you, when you think of it. I think so, too. And, uh, you know, um, it, it was. But um, it's funny that that was the closest we got to war in Ireland, was the bombs that were... Yeah, the actual, that, that's correct. You know, yeah. That is correct. We're, we're yeah. lucky in that respect. We were, we were lucky, because uh, I do believe that uh, if either wanted to bomb the place, they could have bombed the place. Mm. Well, yes. You, but you Churchill, uh, Churchill had made a lot of noise that he was going to come over and take the ports anyway. Whether we liked it or not. That's right. Yeah. When you think about it, that they only signed them over three years earlier, something before the war or something. It was only three or four years before they they came back to us. Yeah. They were still in their possession up to yeah. that point in 1933 well, or something. We lost, we lost, we, we became a republic in... Uh, 48. 48. 1948. Yeah. But we were a free state up to 48. So that was our taste of war during that time and then if that was uh, can you remember what year was that the bombing roughly Very 41, 41. 19, May, 41 May, yeah. May, the, May the 21st and, and that age that would put you at what age roughly 41 I'd have been 8 you'd have been yeah. only 8 then so yeah so, mm. so that was that but a frightening time a touch of danger just the same you were sent well, off up down, down the country and in actual fact for me it, it wasn't a frightening thing at all because um we just didn't worry about those things. No, our parents did. My mother did. And I'm sure your mother we didn't, did. We but didn't. we didn't. No. Yeah, you know, we, I mean, yeah, this, no. was, this was... No. At night time, it'd be a total blackout. The ARP and, the, and the, they would be parading around the town. And uh, I, at night time, sometimes I would go out. The, the Irish government decided to build uh, concrete... Uh, shelters. Uh, shelters. Shelters. Going over down any bridge, and any, down, over any bridge. And, and, uh, so if the Germans came, they wouldn't be able to drive their, their tanks over the bridges. So they would build these huge concrete uh, blocks with steel girders sticking out. Air raid shelters. And at night time, I used to go out and uh, sit with the, with, the, with the army guy. He would have these beautiful big cinder fires. And you'd sit in his tent, and he'd be he'd be armed there with with a shotgun or a rifle, but I would spend the night with him. My mother gave me permission to go out and sit with him. Mm. <clears throat> there were there were there were shelters on the north side of the road. There were shelters all down. Uh, there was two on O'Connell Street. Uh, was one on. From Condor Road. Yeah. Were they shelters or were they just barriers? To no, stop there were shelters. That you could, you, if uh, there were fires or anything else, you could go into them. But they were never used because there was no. There very, yeah. very little use. Yeah, yeah. Most of them were barriers. That's yeah. big, massive barriers, concrete barriers. With, as I say, with steel, steel girders sticking out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you, because of, uh, Liam, you went the soccer route, and that's mm -hmm. where you chose to go because of, you know, I, I suspect the Blackpool experience. Oh, no, no, no. It was just, uh, soccer was in the family. That, right. was, that was it. Yeah. My father, my father got a, a cap uh, against Scotland in and I got one, luckily enough, in 53, 54. And my brother got 
two before me. He got it in the youth. He went to Belgium to play in a, a the youth tournament in Belgium. So all our male uh, family all have played for the country. So we've done good. Right. Can you tell me the last time, when the last two you would have played together? When would that have been for you? That would, would be, have been the final. I'm going, I'm going to say it would be 1950. That probably would be correct. Can yeah. you remember the occasion of the match? Can no. you remember the... Well, it was, was with it, it would have to be with Clannagale. Clannagale, yeah, yeah. GAA. Yeah, it would have to be, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, Ted Coulomb was still, was still running the team at that time. And unfortunately, you know, he has died. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah he, yeah, he'd be. Uh, and, uh, yeah. but it not, but it wasn't just that. I mean, uh, when when he died, he had a, such a, a gathering of people. It was something else. I mean, from everybody that was interested in Gaelic football, really, he was uh, one of the leaders of the pack. It, Big Am I right? T- huge. No. He was very, yeah, yeah. very big. And, and he was a school teacher. Yeah. And a, a, a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, yeah. a pleasure to, 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 to have known him. He was just a wonderful... But I'd like to tell a story about, about uh, Liam. Uh, uh, Tony O'Reilly, who turned out pretty good. Tony O'Reilly and Liam were on... Uh, a trial game for the Irish schoolboy team. And Liam beat Tony O'Reilly for the place in the, in the team. And Tony O'Reilly, in his autobiography, mentions the fact that he'll never forgive Mousy Monroe for beating him for that place. This is in his autobiography, by the way. Well, I knew Tony O'Reilly, so well, he was... Uh, it's funny that, because I have a watch... Yeah over there and I got it because I never played in that game the game that we were picked for I was picked as captain of the team and on the Wednesday before the game I went out with Johnville the team and they were playing under 15s and they were short and I was asked, would I play? And I said, I can't play because of the ma- this match is on on Saturday. And Jim Kennedy, God be good to him, he said, don't worry about it, I'll fix it up. And the next day I was told I couldn't play for the international team. So Noel Kelly, who eventually took over uh, McConnell's the fireplace we mm-hmm. built. <coughs> he, he was picked instead. So he played instead. Yeah. So Johnville gave me that watch. And uh, that was the end of that. Well, as I said, I, I first started playing Gaelic with uh, St. Vincent's uh, Glasnevin and um, went through uh, secondary. And then... Uh, started playing. Uh, I left school. I, I forget the exact year I left school, but basically I played football then with uh, a team called St. Michael's of Inchicore, which was uh, started up by uh, 
the manager's name eludes me right now, but he was a, another another countryman. Um, this was a team comprised of uh, uh, countrymen and Dublin men. Um, so I played with them until I got married, which was in 1957. Um, stopped playing Gaelic football in, in 57, basically. We bought a house, had a house built out in Turnure. Uh, the last club was uh, St. Michael's Vinci Corps. Uh, we reached the, the Dublin uh, senior football final, beaten by Ernz Isle, uh, whose team was captained by uh, Senator Jim Tunney. I don't know whether you remember him. Mm. Also on the same team were good old St. Vincent boys like Desi Osborne, uh, Brendan Houlihan, Dermot McCann. You remember these guys? Yeah, Jim Hoolan. Jim Hoolan. Brendan Hoolan. Well, there was another Jim, another Jim Hoolan. Yeah. Oh, well, the one uh, I'm talking about yeah, is Brendan yeah, Hoolan. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so that was, as I say, in 57 I got married, I moved to Turnure. Um, basically quit football, playing it at this point. However, I started to coach a local team, uh, uh, just a local team, soccer. I started coaching soccer at this point. This is all out in Terranure now. Yep. And um, so that, that, was, that was the end of my playing days. Um, we had these friends who, who uh, were from Inchicore, Martin and Joan Quigley, who had emigrated to the United States in 1958, came out to Portland, Oregon, um, and were always... Uh, talking about why don't you come out and see them and May and I said no we're happy here we just brought brand new house uh, we're very happy here I had my own business I was in the produce business I used to I was a produce wholesaler I would buy I'd, I'd show up at the markets Dublin city markets fruit markets at four o'clock in the morning I had a truck would load up the truck head down into Kildare Mead Offaly you name Wexford empty the truck, have my day finished, come back, then start off again in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, load up. Um, so anyway, that's, that's what I did. Um, 61 came, uh, and May, my wife, decided, well, why don't we just go out and see what the United States is all about, which we did, and we stayed in Portland. We went out and we decided to stay for six months, you got children at that stage? No children. Right. That's the reason why we can do that all these it, things. Yes, yeah, made it was, And in those days, uh, you could come and stay in the United States fairly easy, as long as you had enough money to support yourself. And you, you had to post a certain amount of money in the banks, and, and that's what we did. One thing led to another. Uh, we'd go home... Um, We'd go home every, every, every year. But as I say, uh, we decided, well, let's stay another year and another year. Then my wife became pregnant, and then that kind of put the roots in. Kept her house in Turnure, kept it for 15 years, rented it out, which was a good thing. We, we did well with that house. And that basically is is the story of. Uh, right. What did you do? What what what? How did you support yourself? What work did you do when you were here? I was in the produce business. You, you continued on. I continued it on because the reason why I did that was that I used to sell products from the United States. I used to sell Hood River pears, 
Washington apples, Washington State apples. So I went into this, the largest produce company in the United States, a company called Pacific Fruit and Produce. And I, I told them, my name is Kevin Travers. I used to sell your products in Dublin, Ireland. That immediately got me a job. I got a job very first day I went in there and I started selling produce for this large company. I stayed with them for about two years, then decided to work for a company called Piggly Wiggly Produce, Piggly Wiggly's Grocery Stores. They, they, they were the first original supermarket in the United States. There's only a few of them left and they're all on the East Coast, some in Florida, but most of them up in Virginia. And I went to work for Piggly Wiggly. Great company. Left them, worked for them for three or four years, then decided to buy my own store, which I did. I bought two grocery stores in Portland. Kept them for about three or four years. Got rid of them. Then I went to work for... I'm still in the food business now. I started selling specialty foods from, Dublin, from Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales. I used to sell Barry's Teas, you name it. All Irish products, teas from England, PG Tips, Yorkshire Gold Teas. That's what I did for years. And I just retired about six months ago. We have three kids, uh, Fergus, Kathleen, and Niall. And we have uh, six grandkids. And where are they all, Kevin? They're all right beside me in, in Lake Oswego in, in Oregon. Are they? All around me. All, oh. all around me. So you still have relations at home and you still get to visit Ireland? I, I, we go Who's home. Left? Yeah. I have two sisters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maureen, who lives in Nace, Kildare. She's 83, still plays golf. A great golfer, as a matter of fact, for her age. My sister Betty lives in Glass Devon in the town, in the house I was born in. Still lives she- in... Yeah, she lives in Botanic, in, in Botanic Avenue. She still lives there. Oh She's 82. Um, my brother, Brendan, Brenda. lives in uh, San Rafael, which is in California. California. We left, we, we left the, 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 the school uh, uh, games behind us, and then we want to progress from there. So bring us on a bit further. Then. Well, I, I went to Cabral West Technical School, and uh, we'd, we still played. There, because uh, the first year that it was opened, we reached the final of both the soccer and the Gaelic in the technical schools. And uh, we both, we won both the soccer and the, so I went there. And uh, when I was 16, I went from there to do an apprenticeship in CIE. It was... My father worked there all his life, and I worked there then. And from there, uh, we progressed, and I played ball with I played ball with Rovers, and uh, everything was very, very good. I have to say, until I got a knock on this one on my left knee, and uh, then I was laid up for a while, and I never got back into the team at Milltown. Uh, Jimmy McCann, Maxie McCann came in to play uh, and uh, so I didn't play for probably six months and uh, then a 
chap came down from Northern Ireland and he asked me would I go play in uh, Newton Ards. It was Ards football. And uh, I went up and played with them. And his son played with them. And if you go back over all the years and the amount of money that people are making now playing football, uh, it was actually George Eastham Sr. broke the contract rule for payment of professional footballers in England. Mm. And he would not let his young son, young George, went from Newton Arts to Newcastle. And he was going to be transferred from Newcastle to Arsenal. And it was £20 a week, £4 for a win, and £2 for a draw. And old George, as I used to call him, wouldn't let young George go for that. And he broke the money barrier. But I went to play with Arts, and old George Eason was the manager. And we had a very good time, very good season. And that was 55-56. Uh, and we had a very good time. And the second year of 56-57, uh, I went... I was transferred from there to Bristol and for £1,500 or something it was, of which on the backhand, we did, Sarah and I done very, very well. We got married in 56 and we had Geraldine, Geraldine was born at that time and we went to Bristol and the first meeting up with the party from Bristol was in Liverpool and we stopped at the Adelphi Hotel posh hotel posh oh real and we uh, we met there and we they were Bristol City were playing uh, Liverpool and Bill Shankly was uh, manager of Liverpool and they were in the second division then and we played and we then we went to, I went down to Bristol and after a couple of weeks I went home and I picked Sarah up and we went back to, we went back to, to, to Bristol and uh, Pat Beasley was the manager there then and he got the sack so I finished my apprenticeship so I was all right uh, so Pat Beasley got the sack and Peter Doherty came and uh, the gentleman never particularly liked uh, a couple of uh, the Irish men that were there, so he didn't. And uh, anyway, he decided to let us go. The two, there were only two, Dermot Curtis and myself, and he decided to let us go. And I went to Scunthorpe, and Alf Ramsey, who was the manager of England afterwards, he came and picked up Dermot Curtis. And Dermot Curtis won an English League medal with Ipswich. And Mr. Doherty wasn't awfully pleased. But uh, that's what happened. How, how was it like for an Irishman, like an Irish sportsman? Hard. Was it? What were the difficulties? Well, uh, yeah. then 
quite a few of them wouldn't even talk to you. So you just had to get on with what you were doing and uh, ignore the fact because uh, a lot of them thought that uh, there should have been only uh, English players playing and that was it. And that was the way it was all the way through. And uh, so that was... So we went home then from Scunthorpe. That was a place we didn't like. We went home from Scunthorpe and uh, we went, uh, I went back to play in Northern Ireland with a team called the Stillery. And uh, then I came back from down from the Stillery, I went back down to play with Dundalk. And at, in Dundalk, uh, I've held a record for, uh, in Dundalk from uh, 1959-60 until 2002. And that was eight, 19 goals in 22 matches. And after that, <coughs> we were living in uh, Shanless Road in Santry. And uh, we decided... Well, we went off and we went off to England, back to England in 1963 and we went to Huddersfield because Sarah's sister was in Huddersfield. And I got a job there with uh, a, an engineering company and from there we stayed there for 15 years and I stayed with the same company and then I came back to, went back to Ireland and went with an environmental company in Ireland that were doing the same thing as we were in England. And uh, then in, that was in 78. And then in 90, we left uh, Ireland for Canada uh, because of difficult circumstances with our, our daughter. Our daughter had gone to Canada and she was involved in a car crash and she was left a paraplegic. And uh, so Sarah, my wife and I, Sarah, and I went out to Toronto and then flew from there up to a place called Thunder Bay. And uh, Deirdre was left uh, as a paraplegic. She was from the waist down, she was paralyzed. and. We stayed in Toronto, and a person came, and he asked me what I worked at. And I told him, and he said, that's fine. And two days later, he rang me, and he told me I had an appointment for an interview with a company, and so I went, I'll pick you up, he said. He took me down, had the appointment, went through, with a gentleman, a very, very simple interview. And that afternoon, I we had a contract that we could stay in Canada for two years, and I had a job for two years. And then the, that same company moved their headquarters down to South Carolina. And they were starting to close things up, basically, in Canada. And I was in Canada just before that, and the, 
the closing down of the most of the places in Canada. And a gentleman rang me from South Carolina and asked me would I come down to do a job for him, which I duly did. And uh, we'd been then for eight and a half years, we were in South Carolina. And that's how we became down in the States, how we became, well, now it's like a second home. So we live here now six months and we live in Toronto six months. While Kevin was up with his father cutting turf up in the mountains, the Featherbed Mountains, you were heading out to Drogheda. Didn't you have that connection with Drogheda? Yeah, we have. My, my auntie, my mother's sister and our hubby went down to take over a bakery in West Street in Drogheda. And we used to be sent down to Drogheda for our holliers. And my auntie always took a house in Glarhead. And we were always involved in that house in Glarhead. And we had a circus there one night. And my cousins, two, three cousins, were on front of us. And I don't know what happened, but we ate something that didn't agree with us and we got sick all over. Carmel, Carmel was in front of us and we got sick all over. Two of us got sick all over us, so we did. But Clare had, uh, Desmond, my brother, he had a place in Clare Head and uh, he's just given it up, so he has. But uh, Drada, I, I knew a lot of people in Drada. And we had a good time, always had a good time. We went there to play in the Minor Cup. And Mick Megan, who played with Everton and, and Rovers and managed the international team. And Megan that day walked on water. The ground was so sloppy, but he was so good that I can always remember that day, always remember that day, that... But Drada, Drada has fond memories, yes, for us, for me, anyway. Uh, now, we got married in 56, and we, from 57 we went to England, 60 we came home to Ireland, 63 we went back to England, 78 we went back to Ireland, 90 we went to Canada, Ninety-three, we came to to the United States. Two thousand and one, we went back to Canada. So now we have all these moves. So everything has turned out so good that we, out of a bad thing, a lot of good things have come. Yes, That's yeah. The way I look at it. Yeah, very good. So both you. Glasnevin and Fisburne. Um, uh, We've come a long way, guys, haven't we? <laughs> We've, yes, we have. We've come a f- long, but it's been a great tr- a journey. Great journey. It's taken a few years, yeah, yeah. but it's it's been very, very. Yeah. We've done very yeah. well. Yeah. We have been one of the very lucky ones, because there's an awful lot of people uh, that have never had the experience that we've had. I'd like to thank both of you for coming along and sharing your memories with us here. 
Um, and the, I just think it's amazing, again, that after so long that you should meet up in this foreign land, Florida, in one of the recreation centres, you know, Visber and Glasnevin meet again. Yeah. A, a long time ago, yeah. we met, and it's been a long time for us to meet again. There was a good distance in between. Oh, it's, it? been, it's been a great trip, great trip. Yeah, yeah that's true.